Hello and welcome to the Sovereign Collective Podcast, where we bring you real raw truth for your self-empowerment. I'm your host, Sasha Calavota, and I believe that you can stand on your own two feet, but that you don't have to do it alone. I love learning from people who continually strive to raise the bar, to go against mainstream thinking, and who dare to question the general consensus. People are risking ridiculed or even risk the loss of their professional status as they bravely question the common narratives and challenge the rest of us to expand our minds and to reconsider what we think we already know. Join me in learning how to take control of your health and your mind so that you can have the energy to think more clearly and the confidence to step up and take responsibility for all aspects of your life. We promise to never censor here because I believe you are strong enough to hear the real raw truth to make up your own mind. If you like what you find here at the Sovereign Collective Podcast, then please share with your friends and family. I so appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in. And now on to the show. Hi, y'all. This is Sasha here for two quick announcements before we get on to our interview for today. First of all, if you are looking for quality supplements, quality tonic herbs, some specialty food items, and you're in and around Calgary, then please go check out Lotus Herbal Health, a great family-run store that has two locations in Calgary. You can find them at lotusherbalhealth.ca to find out where their locations are, or you can shop online and they will pretty much deliver anywhere. So quality supplements, tonic herbs, great staff, check out lotusherbalhealth.ca. Secondly, I want to announce the relaunch of my program called Your Conscious Pregnancy and Parenting Guide, which consists of experts in their fields around the world on consciousness and parenting and education and nutrition and dentistry and homeopathy and more. This is a program I created after my son was born about 10 years ago, a little bit more than that. And I am now very concerned after the events of 2020 for our future generations. And I believe the time is now for conscious parenting and for conscious parents to rise up and take, to take back our pregnancies and our births and our parenting and the resilience of our children and of future generations. The time is now. We change the course of history by changing the course of our future generations. And we do that by consciously raising them, consciously birthing them, consciously conceiving them, feeding them good food, and taking back the responsibility of raising healthy, well-adjusted, robust people. Resilience. It's time to build resilience. So please go check out sovereigncollective.org forward slash get the guide, and you will be able to check out all of the amazing material in there. It's time for us to understand how our worldviews are formed, how our self-views are formed, and how to impact that and how that impacts the society on a whole. So check it out, sovereigncollective.org forward slash get the guide. And now on to the show. Hi everyone, Sasha here with another episode of the Sovereign Collective Podcast, finally. And I am with Tom Barnett, who is joining me today from Australia. And Tom Barnett, he's a holistic practitioner. He's a mindset coach, but he is pretty much versed in, I don't know, all of the relevant things these days. And one thing that I really appreciate about Tom and respect about him, and I feel he's the epitome of pretty much what is mostly not around us right now and which the world could benefit from, is that he is dedicated and committed to knowing himself, knowing thyself, and helping others to do the same. And I think it's become painfully apparent for some of us in these past two years that that is not really a common trait among most people. And when we don't know what we stand for and we don't know who we are, then we are easily swayed to believe and do certain things that we might not otherwise do. And not only are people not, 
I feel even interested of knowing themselves, they're terrified of it. And so I think that is something that we absolutely need to consider of, from each and every one of us. It's like how much the world would benefit if we each would know ourselves and stand in that truth. So anyways, I don't even know where this conversation is going to go. It can go in many, many, many places because Tom is versed in law and nutrition and the falsity of germ theory. He's even dappled in politics. He's, he's a very well-versed man. He's a surfer all sorts of stuff. So we're going to start with his story. But first of all, thank you so much, Tom, for joining me today. I'm super looking forward to this. Yeah, thanks, Asha. Happy to be here. Great, great, great. So let's start with the usual question, just because I don't know if my audience knows you. I've mentioned to a few people, some people knew you, some people don't. So tell us about a little bit about your story. Like you are very well versed. You take what I love about you is like, you're just a man who takes full responsibility where he's at and who he is and the results of his life. But I know you've had some difficult times in the past and that probably, I would think, as soon as we'll probably get to where you are today. So share us a little bit about yourself and your story and where what's taking you to where you're at today. Yeah, well, I definitely was a victim many times over. I had a lot of anger. I think what happened was that when I realized how much residual anger that I was carrying and actually carry, carry what people refer to as a shadow of anger, where it's not outwardly apparent either to others or to the self. It's a shadow thing. And when I really realized that and started to take responsibility for things, that was really the catalyst for starting to know myself. So it wasn't that I always took responsibility for myself. I did in some areas, but just not enough. And I think the quality of your life will reflect that. And when I say quality of life, I mean, what's your internal wealth like? A lot of people have a lot of uh, external wealth, like heaps of followers or heaps of money or, you know, a fancy lifestyle. But a lot of those people have a really, really poor inner wealth, like they're almost bankrupt inside, which is why they continue to chase more followers, more wealth, more comfort. They're not comfortable enough with themselves yet. And that's a horrible place to be. That's a prison. To be uncomfortable with yourself is like being in a six by six prison cell, really. So mine came from not having that. I had it to a degree. So when I was younger, I'd find out about people winning court cases where they'd slip over in a shop and sue the shop for like half a million dollars. And now they're driving around in a BMW and they're not working. And I'm just like, oh, there's something wrong with that. I mean, if I slipped over in a shop, I'd, I'd ask myself how I was so spastic that I slipped over in a shop. I wouldn't blame the, sh do you know what I mean? I wouldn't blame the shopkeeper. I wouldn't, it's water. It's like, I should know that there's, I should see that there's water on the floor. What am I like engrossing my phone? Am I like off with the fairies? Why did I slip? Not whose fault is it? Why did I slip? You know, and I already had that, but I did blame other people for getting sick. So for those that don't know, when I was, um, I actually had a national ranking in tennis as a junior uh, around 12 years of age in singles and doubles. And then I got really rebellious and went off the rails as a teenager and stuff. And then I, uh, you know, I wanted to claw things back. I realized my health had gone. I was in pain as a 15 year old in pain, like gut pain and stuff. So I got back into sport really to lose weight. I became quite body conscious at that age as well. 
But then I became good a good athlete again and I was competing at a national level in martial arts and triathlon and I was getting into weightlifting and other sports as well. And at that age is that between 18 and 21, which was that period, like try telling a male ego that not just a male ego, but somebody who's like a Leo and uh, all this other stuff that's just <laughs> kind of like try telling them that they're doing the wrong thing. So I thought I knew best and I wrecked myself really, really badly. I had chronic fatigue then for about over 10 years, more like 15. And uh, and that was all because I just was way out of balance. I didn't know anything about myself. I had no connection to the feminine aspect of myself or to any form of balance. It was all training and business, training and business, training and business. No socializing, no family time, no downtime, no creativity time, business, like money, training, competing, winning. That was it. So I burnt out really badly. And then that began my health journey. As in, I was going to doctors, naturopaths, wasting heaps of money. Nothing was happening. And I had to delve deeper and deeper and deeper. And it got to the stage where I had no money. I was homeless and... Uh, I had no answers and I was still heavily blaming my coaches, the naturopaths that I saw that didn't do anything, the doctors that I saw that didn't do anything, everyone that took my money and gave me no results, my parents, it was their fault. It was everyone's fault except for mine. So that's what I mean. I know what it's like to be a victim and then I've got no money and no energy. So you can't charge me a hundred dollars or $500 an hour to treat me. You should do it for free. You know, like I had that mentality. So a lot of self-defeating and we all have our various paths, Sasha, you know, but for me, it was having to get to really the bottom of the barrel in many instances for me to actually learn such a valuable lesson. And so it came from what I speak about now is from having to go through and do the hard yards. You either do the hard yards and you succeed because you put in the effort and the work. So, I mean, you know, I've got a guitar here. If you put in eight hours a day, wearing your fingers to the bone, getting really, really good at music and master your craft, you can then go on and teach and inspire and, and do things for others. Other times though, if you don't do it in the positive way, you'll probably get it in the negative way where you have to be trampled over and over and over and crushed. And then you can go, all right, so blaming things doesn't work. <laughs> Your health will improve when you take responsibility for it, you know? So I already had that as an inkling because of what I'd seen in cases where, you know, someone falls through someone's house because they're trying to burgle them, breaks a leg and then successfully sues the owner for breaking their leg. And I'm like, that's got to be fake. (laughs) Yeah, well, I found that out in school. I'm like, that's a fake story. And then like, no, 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 that's a real case. I'm like, bullshit. Like I'm getting so angry. So I'm so angry at the system. Like, how is that fair? That's not just, but it happens. So I had this inkling already about responsibility, you know, but I still had to go through my own process of blaming and being a victim before I managed to get myself back on track. And now through that experience, I can help to give others some perspective that may or may not help, but it helped me. Right. So that's a long time, 10 to 15 years of chronic fatigue. So is that so... Was it because it took you a long time to really get to the true root of it? Or like, what do you think that was? And what was the point that helped you start to climb out of that? What was, what was the turning point for you? Yeah, the funny thing is, is that the, I find the root cause to be a non-physical cause. It's an emotion. It's a childhood trauma. 
So needing or being willing, not just needing to, but being willing to face that and overcome some things that may be very difficult is uh, the thing that will alleviate a lot of energy. There was a lot of physicality to it as well, as in lots and lots of toxicity built up. Uh, in no small part from the uh, highly qualified and highly prestigious medical and dental associations who filled me with mercury. And, you know, there's a lot of physical poisons that were in my body and a lot of it from my own doing too, you know, like choosing junk food, choosing pesticide-ridden food instead of organic, choosing, 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 all by agreement. And so, uh, but realistically, the thing that gave the most like relief or the greatest boost in energy was focusing on what, instead of focusing what I couldn't do anymore and being sad about it, it was focusing what I could do and creating like a new dream, a new purpose for myself that had nothing to do with my old purposes. And then letting go of victimhood and, uh, you know, disempowerment. And then also facing the fact that there's these non-physical or metaphysical basis for uh, such a lack of energy for such a long time and so when you're dealing with the trauma i'm very interested in that part of things because not because i'm actually pretty lucky i don't i I, i've had a very good childhood and like but i created a program called your conscious pregnancy and parenting guide because i i really see a world where we have adults that don't have to recover from their childhoods anymore like when i had my son he's 13 tomorrow when i had my son i was really struck by the enormity of bringing a new person, a new soul into this world. And then nobody's talking about it. And I was just like, why aren't they talking about this is massive. Like all my shit should be cleared up before I even had this pregnancy, right? Before I even conceived him. So what was your, what was your method like of dealing with your trauma? How was that resolved for you? Well, it's a number of different ways, Sasha. One is the I guess a lot of my wounds came from the, the feminine aspect because I went through, which a lot of people do, the mother has postnatal depression, they disconnect from the baby, the baby has this thing of like, what am I, you know, that kind of thing. And so a lot of it then leads to this yang or this masculine dominance throughout life and which will burn you out. It burns various organ systems out, for example. So a big part of it was allowing myself to come into a, when I said balance earlier, the, you know, having social time, having creativity time, having downtime, that's all an expression of yin or feminine and to come into the balance of the doing and the ability to construct and to have, you know, ideas and follow them through. That's all the masculine stuff. So it's coming into that balance, which if you break it down, it's the expression of the feminine. And if you've been wounded in that element, then that's the thing that you've got to go into is to embrace that feminine aspect, which is a softening. Um, even if you look at what I was doing, you know, martial arts, full contact sports, uh, draining yourself constantly, doing lots of miles on the road for running and swimming and cycling and then weightlifting. It's all hard. They're all hard things, you know, a hardening. So the softening then at that age, you know, 16 to 18, it's like that's gay. If you're, if you're 18 and somebody <laughs> says, you know, hey, dude, you need to soften it's like, that's gay, you know? So you don't, you've got this immediate, uh, you've got an immediate repulsion to it or a block to it at least, which is only going to kill you. That block is going to kill you because it's not gay. It's actually strong. The strength comes in being able to embrace that, but maybe it takes a few more years of wisdom before you realize that. The point being that everything, not just what I was doing, 
but the resistance to what I would have needed is just doubling up that, um, that system, you know, where I'm just, just destroying myself. And you know, you're wrong because your body doesn't lie. So your body, your physicality is an expression of what's happening higher up the chain of bodies. That being the emotional body, the body of the mind, the mind body, and then the spiritual body. If those are hurting or out of balance, it's going to show up in your physical body or in your expression of life. Everything sucks. This is bad. All these mandates are all awful. Like that's all an expression of being out of balance in the physical, mental, or the emotional, the mental, and the spiritual bodies. But and when we were talking, which we'll get to about knowing thyself, it's really just balancing those bodies out. If those bodies are in harmony, you know yourself. If those bodies are out of harmony, you will experience disharmony in the world that you see or that you experience. And that's what I was experiencing. Big, big imbalances, which cost me my health and um, a lot of frustration and anger because it's not my fault, of course. I didn't create it. <laughs> Right. So I thought back then, yeah. Right, right. And did you find, like, I find when people go on this path, they kind of say you're in your macho man self or male, for example, and then you're swinging a little bit way too over to the feminine side and you're very nice and giving. Yeah, yeah. Did you find you went back and forth until you found that? Not really. Oh? No, I still, no. No, I, I didn't. I definitely know what you're talking about where guys just turn into women pretty much and you're like, oh, that's not helping. <laughs> no, no, it's not. And, I, and it's really apparent the lack of, I don't know, I mean, I mean, we're killing the male right now, right? We're making this bad thing, especially a, a white male is like the worst thing on the planet. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seeing these men walk around with masks on or walking with their small children, they're all masked up and it's just the man doing that. It's just, it's the biggest turnoff possible to something yeah. like in my perspective but i just see that like i know my husband went through that he went through his his deep dark needing to know himself needing to know the truth and then he went way to, to the nice side and was kind of like a doormat and then now it's mm. like you know you don't have to be nice but yeah you, you know spiritual is nice or kindness isn't always nice yeah you can be respectful you can love thy neighbor but but not be nice to them sometimes there's no place to be nice but even if you when you say if you be not nice it doesn't mean you're being mean or you're causing them harm but you can just be a straight shooter but also be respectful and love thy neighbor yes and i love that straight shooter authentic right because often we, we think we're going to be nice instead of authentic and that's not authentic and so it's not really nice. that's right yeah it's actually worse you're lying you're deceiving you're doing all that stuff by just being like nice just the nice guy kind of thing and then but that's uh yeah that's a massive psyop i mean same it's for everybody it's for men and women i mean a lot of the feminine the feminist movement probably had good a start because you know there's there should be an equality of value like a man is not more valuable than a woman. It's actually quite the opposite. I mean, it's the woman that bears that bears children, you know. That's the most valuable thing you can do in this life. It's not build, making a building or a faster car or a more expensive computer. It's, it's birthing a child. That's the most amazing thing that we can do. So it, there should be equal value, but then, but then, but we're not equal in our strengths and what we can and can't do well in the world. And that's where things get muddled up. And then we've just got to respect everyone for every opinion and belief they have. And that screws things up badly. So for everybody, not just for men or women, but for everybody. And for those that associate with neither of those as well, it screws them up too. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the w women have been, 
you know, we, we've been led to believe that it, giving forth and bearing healthy, well-adjusted, robust human beings is not, is not enough, it's not good enough, and, and it's not valued, you know? So like for me, it's like, what's more important? What's more important than, than perpetuating the species with strong, healthy people, you know, just, mm -hmm. I don't know. So coming back to the, the chronic fatigue, so you're, 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 the more I know, the more for you is the emotional, the trauma, the, the balancing of the male and female or the masculine and feminine. But for anybody going through it right now, I would encourage you, first of all, to go to those places. But could you give them some more tangible things from a physical perspective, a nutrient mm. perspective? Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. So the first thing I'll say that is part of that letting go of all the trauma is part of it's just a forgiveness, forgiveness for the self, forgiveness for anyone else that could have hand, had a hand in it, realizing that there's a gift in it and it had a lesson. If you do not respect the teacher, uh, you'll get a wrap over the knuckles in another way. You know, you've got to respect the teacher and and uh, have gratitude for the lesson. Otherwise, you'll continue to be taught the same thing in perhaps a different way that you like even less than what you have now. So then it's taking that and then moving forward. So part of that does tell you what to do. If you were not paying close attention to your diet or what's even worse, like what's even worse, Sasha, than having a, like a moderately awful diet is being overly dogmatic about diet, like being extreme because that, where's that come from? That comes from that imbalance in the, in the emotional and the, the, the mental bodies. So it's, it's important to have balance in all things. That doesn't mean balancing out, you know, organic food with Coke and heroin <laughs> on the weekends. That's not balancing, right? But it just means like fruit's not going to kill you. Greens aren't going to kill you. Meat's not going to kill you. Like when you're talking about whole natural God-given foods, yeah. there's so much dogma surrounded by, oh, but, but I'm evil if I eat meat or no plants contain, uh, you know, various toxins. I shouldn't eat plants. And in the, all that kind of stuff is this realm of the mind. That's the mind virus. And the mind virus will manifest as something you don't want in your life. So that's the, that's the overarching thing. So then to break it down into tangibles is just be balanced in what you eat, but do make sure it's natural and whole. That's the best thing you can do. And organic, obviously, organic's a label. So as long as you know that the food hasn't been overly sprayed with pesticides, fungicides, rodenticides, and what have you, then it doesn't have to be certified organic, just as long as it's like chemical free, like naturally, it's grown naturally, that's good. And then balanced in your portions and balanced in what you have, like be a little bit flexible in the way that you eat. You know, it's okay if you don't have your exact 100 grams of whatever you're supposed to have for breakfast. Oh, damn, I missed it. Now you're self-judging. Now you got it wrong. You know, I guess a, a simpler analogy is just, you could have a cup of the world's best food, like whatever it is, but if you convince yourself it's wrong and it's bad and it's evil, those chemicals that you produce are worse than the chemicals that you think would be in the, the food, you know, like that's how powerful we are. And that's how we're able to create disease for ourselves because we're that powerful. Likewise, if we can do that, if you've managed to create yourself disease, like the degree to which I created ill health is also the degree that I can create fantastic health and create amazing things in the world. So we, we should know that about ourselves. So it's, it's basically just getting rid of chemicals and being diligent with that for many reasons. One, just 
first and foremost, the effect that chemicals of that kind of uh, synthetic uh, plastic petrochemical based and heavy metal based compounds, immediately that affects the nervous system and the brain because it gets uptaken to the fattier deposits, goes to the brain. It, it affects receptor sites within the body, which means that your body won't recognize the messengers within itself, which is usually hormones. And because those receptor sites are blocked by the heavy metals, they just magnetize to those and your hormones can't get there. So you get hormone disruption and inflammation and everything else. That's the first part of it. But on a deeper level, that stuff's all created by the industrial uh, agribusiness complex of all that crap. And that's all made by the people who claim to have uh, power over this realm. So if you willingly take that in, then by agreement, you're saying, yep, you can have me, you have, or you can have, uh, you know, lay claim to me and my body and my sovereignty and my dominion that I actually have. And that's an offer. No one has to take it. Yeah. No one has to eat Twinkies or cereal for breakfast or uh, drink Coca-Cola. No one has to. It's marketed in front of you. Like it's delicious and you look cool and fit and healthy and sexy, but that's not the reality. You take that by agreement and you put it in your body and you're saying you're allowed to pass what is mine. You're allowed to pass the only thing that you really have autonomy over, which is yourself. And you're willingly letting that into yourself, which is energetically letting them into you. So then you complain, oh, the mandates in there. It's like, well, what are you doing to actually keep yourself to yourself? What are you really letting in and, and not letting in? So it's many levels to that. And then, of course, it's your, so the diet is one side of it. The water that you consume, is it clean? Again, is it theirs? Has it got many frequencies? Like, do they have they stuck towel, cell towels on top of their water towers? You know, what are they, the chemicals they're putting in it? Or are you sourcing yourself clean water supplies and it's structured properly? And then your thoughts, what are you spring thinking? Water? Are you kind of like collecting spring water? Yeah, spring water, rainwater. Um, then if you have to use municipal town supply, at least putting some kind of filter that takes out chlorine and fluoride and uh, heavy metals and can restructure the water in some way. You know, there's a lot of devices that do that. But my analogy for taking town water, which is essentially dead and, and embedded with a really, really low frequency and then trying to re-frequent, like re-vitalize uh, it, you can do it. But it's kind of like me going, well, I want to find uh, a wife. So I'll just take a dead one and bring her back to life. Like, why wouldn't I just get a living one? <laughs> you know? Just get a living one in the first place. It's better. So I like to start with, with living water, which is rainwater or spring water. Right. But I know not everybody does have access at this point in their life, but that's also a choice. There's nothing stopping people from leaving a city and going and homesteading or going and live a little bit out in the country where you've got greater access to high quality water. There's nothing stopping you except the mind virus that says you need the, the banker's check and you know the big money from living in the city and the convenience. Anyone can move at any time. There's nothing keeping you there but yourself and your attachment to material stuff or uh, status or what your family would think. That's all material stuff, you know? So there's nothing stopping you. So, but for the time being, yes, you could invest in a good water filtration and restructuring system for the home if that's the best that you can do currently. But I would look to, you know, make different decisions uh, later if you want better. If you don't want better, 
and you're not lying to yourself, then no one, then you're not wrong. That's totally fine. Right. So yeah, that's the water thing. And then your thoughts, how are you thinking? That affects your, your physiology, your, uh, the way, how strong you are, your resonant field to protect yourself from things like EMFs or uh, chemtrails or what have you, you know, that's all part of what we have a lot of control over. And it's the way we think, the way we feel. Are we stressed? Do we see an image on the phone or the TV and immediately get fearful about it? That deregulates every system in your body. You leave yourself open to the need for colds, flus, and worse. You know, that's, that's just nature regulating itself. You're not catching stuff. That's nature regulating itself. But it starts with the mind virus. So if we're autonomous over how we think and feel, and we go in our own direction, we're creating in life, as opposed to being a subject to the TV or the phone or your Facebook, which is not independent, that's all highly controlled. And it's, and even the light source, the light source itself is no good for this up here. You know, like spending too, well, I'm happy to do this because I'm sitting in front of a LCD screen, which is no good for me. But I feel that what we're doing here is actually outweighing the negative effects of this screen but I'm very conscious of it. So after we do this, I'm not going to stay on the computer for the rest of the day. I'll make sure that the first thing I do before I have to get back on it later is go outside and expose myself to the sunlight, put my feet in the soil and ground myself. You know, I'll be in control of how my body operates through the day. But, and that takes diligence. That takes wanting to tend your own garden as opposed to just letting it, you know, whatever pop up that you don't want there. Right. Can you clarify for people who didn't understand this comment you made, uh, just now about it that that's the need for having a cold and flu because a lot of people don't really get people are just starting to and even me in the beginning of all this two years ago I really didn't really understand germ theory and and like I know it's always a train but I went way deeper into it let's just say so the people people probably don't understand what you meant by having the need to have a cold and flu and what that means for them Okay, sure. So, so those are just detoxifications of the body. And germs, as we're taught, we're taught that germs infect the body and they cause disease. But germs, which is a broad term for bacteria, fungus, parasites, viruses, we all we collectively in the mainstream world call those germs. And that they invade or infect the body. And then they cause disease. They cause you to have flus and that flu will kill you or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. But the reality is is pretty much the inver- the, an inversion. It's like the opposite. So we start with a sick and toxic or a weak and toxic internal environment that needs, that requires the use of something to help to clean that up, which is what we call germs, bacteria, fungus, parasites. Viruses are different. We'll get to that, but let's just put viruses in there for now. And then, and then that comes from, well, we actually create that. We, we can create viruses, create bacteria, create fungus within the body. It doesn't come from somewhere else. It can, except for viruses, but we really create that stuff. And we create it because we create the need for it. So when I say we'll uh, give ourselves the need for a cold or flu, It means that we've got our body into a weakened state of disrepair that requires detoxification. What's a toxin? A toxin is anything that is either A, foreign to the body, such as a foreign object. You've got something embedded in your body, metal or plastic or something or wood. Or 
it's um you know like heavy metals that have come in through environmental toxicity or your food or what have you the other part of it though is that our cells continually break down and regenerate and replace themselves all the time that's literally what our body keeps doing some re regenerate every day as in you get a new eye cell every like your, your eyes replenish really fast you've got new eyes every couple of days or whatever it is your whole body like bone and that takes longer but your whole body regenerates every seven years as in what cells you had seven years ago none of those are around anymore you have all new ones but if cellular that cellular process is dysfunctional in some way because we don't have the nutrition to actually allow that to happen or we're overproducing stress chemicals because we're constantly in fight flight instead of being in rest digest most of the time occasionally going into fight flight modern society has that triggered all the time bills relationships traffic uh status money all of it just keeps us in that rat wheel, in that trap all the time. So our bodies overproduce hormones and chemicals that are not being broken down. So then that again is something, if the body's not doing it, something's got to do it. You know, if you're, if you're piling manure into a, into a room and, and it's not going out, it's like that room's just gonna, you're not gonna use it anymore. It's gonna be a non-usable room. That's what our bodies become. Right. So what happens is the body, if the body's processes are not taking care of these functions themselves, then our janitors, our janitorial system, which is more, most of our DNA, it's not human cellular DNA. Most of it is bugs, bacteria in particular, and fungus. Those guys are what help to break down what we don't. They help to break down food that we don't digest properly. And actually to put it another way, that's most of our digestion is bugs. That's why your gut flora is so important. It's not your intestines breaking it down, it's the bugs. The intestines absorb what the bugs break down, which is then our assimilated nutrients. So we're mostly bugs. So those bugs are like janitors and they, they help to clean up cell debris. They clean up the food that we bring in. They help to eliminate stuff. They're constantly helping us with those detoxification processes. And then the energy and the nutrients that we get from it help to run things like the liver, the kidneys, the lungs to and the skin to, uh, and the bowel, obviously the bladder to expel. Right. So that's like our system. When it doesn't work properly, these guys need to get in and go work overtime. The bacteria need to proliferate and to break down extra stuff. Now they're living, which means they're eating. They have to poop as well. So then what we get is all of that in our body. And that doesn't feel so good as that's being processed through. That gives us snotty noses, achy joints, brain fog, low energy sore throats, whatever it manifests as, that's those guys at work. But they're not harming you. <laughs> they're helping you. Right. They're, they're, they're cleaning us out because our body's not doing it. If they weren't there, we'd be dead within an hour. We'd go into, hypo we'd go into um, uh, Herxheimer's reaction. We'd have toxic stress, toxic overload, we'd die. Some people do die from a flu. And it's because of that. Their body has stopped functioning well enough their minds have gone, their heart and soul has gone, their bodies have just gone as a result. They're not functioning, so they'll cease to function. The bacteria didn't kill them. The fungus didn't kill them. The parasite didn't kill them. They were there to help. They did the best they could, but it just sometimes it's not enough. So that then brings up the topic of a virus because if bacteria, fungus, and parasites are alive, well, then they can be killed. And if they go into an environment that's simply too toxic, 
they'll perish in that environment. They just can't handle it. But what can handle it because it can't die is something that's not alive in the first place. And that happens to be a virus. We learn in fifth grade or I learned in fifth grade or even younger that viruses are not alive and therefore you can't use antibiotics on them if you go to the doctor. The doctor will say, listen, son, you've got a virus. You just got to go home and rest. Can't give you medicines. Can't give you antibiotics. They don't work on viruses. They're not alive. You can't kill them. But we tend to forget that because the media tells us something different, right? So then a virus is a non-living particle. It's literally a protein particle surrounded by usually just a lipid layer, which is a fat layer. But it's particle size. It's a fragmentation actually of a cell. People like Thomas Cowan and Andy Kaufman and those guys, they refer to them as exosomes, which is a, an excretion from a cell. It's a particle. It's a, it's a breakdown. Right. And that's all they're doing. It's essentially a solvent. It's a cleaning agent. The analogy that I like to usually give people is that if your room, imagine you had shoveled manure in there. Now it's full of just junk. There's mold everywhere. And you send in your kids to clean it out. And then they come out coughing and, oh, I can't be in there. I'm dying. I'm choking. And it would kill them. They're like, all right, can't send anything living in there. It's going to die. Let's send in the robots. And the robots, because they're not alive, they can clean and, and vacuum and, you know, they're not breathing. They don't have a respiratory system, a circulatory system, a digestive system. They don't have a, you know, anything that makes them living. They can't die. They just go in and they clean, 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 clean. And then they break all of that matter down that's huge into a tiny amount of matter as an excretion. And uh, there you go. They've done a massive favor for you. That's what a virus is. It's the same thing. It's a janitor. It's just the non-living version. So it will take care of what a living organism cannot take care of because it will kill the living organism. It's too toxic. There's too much work to be done. So that's the difference between the, the, your virus. Sorry, that's the difference between your bacteria fungus, protozoa, parasites, all of those little uh, microbiotas, the amoebas, and then your virus, which is non-living, but they have performed the same function. And um, that's why when you start to take responsibility for your health, what you consume, what you allow into yourself physically and metaphysically, you don't have the same need for colds and flus and uh, degenerative illness, which is only your body trying it's like the, the energy of life itself that created us is always just trying to make us healthy. It wants to be that, but we get in our own way. And because we're so powerful, we can get in our own way to the point that we'll self-destruct at such a young age. Our joints will be deteriorated by 40 or 50. They should be working well into your 90s and 100s. They really should. They're not designed to break down. What they get is blocked up energetically and physically with just crap that we put into ourselves and that we think about ourselves. We're not taught how powerful we are. Therefore, we don't know it or believe it. We just assume we deteriorate and that it's normal to be fat and useless by the time you're 40 or 50. That's, that was peak age for a warrior back in the day. You know, a 20 or a 25-year-old that we considered to be a peak performing athlete now we get their asses handed to them by a battle king back in the day who's 50, 55, 60 years of age. You wouldn't, you wouldn't pick on them because the body's not designed to deteriorate like that. The body is designed to keep perpetuating life and vitality and strength. But, you know, we, uh, we succumb to the offers of the system, which is like, you will degenerate. You will not do this. You will not achieve that. You are useless. You are but a speck of dust. And, uh, and that's it. And we manifest that because 
that goes in as the mind virus. We assimilate that into ourselves, our state of being, and then we express that into the world. And if we just switch that, if we knew thyself, which is that you know, most of what I speak about is getting to know yourself, you realize you're the most powerful creative force in this realm. And we can, <laughs> we can act as such, but we just don't know that yet. Not enough of us know it. So that's, that's a big thing. Yeah, massive. Okay. So before we get more into the topic of knowing thyself, I, I interrupted you. You were talking about, so you talked about your basic food, water, thoughts. Was there anything else that you were talking about coming out of like the chronic fatigue and just, and, and obviously it's not even going to apply just to chronic fatigue. It's, it's everything is, I'm sure these are basic pillars of a healthy, robust life. So yep. anything else you're going to add to that? Yep. So working on your, your breath as well. Most anybody who's in uh, physical disrepair will be suffering from hypoxia. That just means that you don't have enough oxygen in and carrying around uh, in the blood and to the cells. And so most people are overly acidic. So there's a couple of ways to work on that. You can uh, get more hydrogen into you, either from uh, breathing in hydrogen or, or getting hydrogen water from like, like a machine that does it or, uh, or grander water or something that helps. It's not going to solve anything on its own, but it just helps. And then doing things like breath work. Most people who are in physical disrepair and in that kind of condition, breath work really is not pleasant to do. But that's kind of an indication that's probably something you'll, you'll need to do more of. Things like breath work and meditation help a lot and creative time, time where you spend just playing an instrument or doodling or doing art for no purpose, just for the pure purpose of creating no matter what comes out. These sorts of things help to rewire the nervous system in, in the sense of self. And uh, yeah, by doing things like breath work and uh meditation and working in like exercises like qigong and tai chi to help move the body because one of the paradoxes is that you lose so much energy you really can't move like it hurts to move or you'll wear yourself out walking up a flight of stairs so then you go well i'll just sit i'll just lay i'll lay around all day but the body's designed to move we have biological pumps which if not activated your circulatory system and your lymphatic system will not move. So you're going to make things worse. The body, no matter what, is designed to move. So then you need to find ways that you can move to activate the biological pumps without draining yourself, preferably giving energy rather than draining. And that's what we call, or what I learned from Paul Check, which is called working in. It's the opposite of working out. So working out, even climbing stairs, is expending energy to move yourself through space or to move something like a weight around you through space. Whereas working in is cultivating energy rather than expending it and using it to move things inside of you rather than outside of you or you through space. So totally, it's the, like the opposite. It's the paradox and therefore will give you the energy. And the, the types of movement you do will activate the biological pumps. And if anyone wants to check something like that out, just look up uh, Paul Check on YouTube and working in he, he gives an example of like a breathing squat, for example, or just look up Tai Chi or Qigong, anything like that. Any of the internal arts that are soft, you call those the yin arts, and they will allow you to move, but cultivate energy through movement rather than expend energy through movement. So that's, that's a huge thing. You've got to look after the physical body too. It's not all just in the airy-fairy land. So yeah, food, water, breath, uh, mind, which is like meditation and qigong, that's the movement. So moving the body as well. And then 
from that, using that, it's having the purpose, being on purpose. And what is the purpose? If you're severely in a state of disrepair, what's your purpose? You can't like, you can't pull carts, you can't swing hammers, you can't, what, what do you do? Are you useless now? Are you a useless man or woman? I don't think so, because you wouldn't be here if you were useless to humanity and yourself. So then you got to figure out what is my value? You know, like what if it's just doing something like making teacups? Well, what if millions of people make teacups? Well, why does the world need you? Well, it might be something that you make in that that no one else does. That's the unique part of the makeup of the fabric of being that, that we are. That's how we find our value, how we know our worth. And there's certain people that will only get teacups from you because there's something about the way that you do it that no one else does, even though a million others make teacups. So it doesn't have to be anything grand that, that requires a lot of energy or money or anything. Those are all, that's all an illusion. It's all fiction. What's real is that we have innate value. We just have to find it and then give it and be willing to give it away. And then things will come back. So that's what usually, that's usually where um, the, uh, the break in the circuit is, if you want to put it that way, or like, it's like, if you think of yourself as an electrical system, an energy system, there'll always be a break in the circuit when you're in that state. And a lot of it is the worth. A lot of it comes down to the self-worth. And it's realize, it's finding that value and being willing to be it and not be scared of it that will connect that circuit again and your energy will start flowing. And uh, yeah, so, but there's, anyway, there's so much to it. Could talk for hours on, on just that whole thing of energy and <laughs> And getting yourself into a state of vitality but um it's really it's all simple because a lot of people sasha they think that they have to go and see the best doctor or uh the best guy like they'll hear somebody like oh, i was the same i saw a level four check practitioner which is like the highest level you can get under pole check and we weren't getting as much progress as i thought so i'm like well maybe i've got to fly to america and pay paul check 800 an hour he's the only guy that can help me that was a that was an illusion that's that's not right that's lying to myself that's not taking responsibility for myself and also being willing to take what was there right in front of me i was thinking that I, the only answer is in america but that's not right and a lot of people have that they're like i have to get this machine i don't have any money i'm disempowered i'm a victim i need money let me crowdfund so I can get this expensive device or to go to the other side of the world to see someone or whatever. It's all, it's all an illusion. Everything that we need is actually like within us and right around us if we're willing to look for it. But sometimes it's not grand enough or it's not big enough. I didn't have to go on this hero's journey to get it and therefore have a story I can tell others about. And, oh, Tommy, such a, such a hard, he tries so hard. It's just a shame. Like such a, such a poor guy, like, Oh, let's give him some sympathy. Like such a young guy to fall over at that age. Nothing's he's tried. He's gone to all the doctors. Oh, poor guy. You know, that's the kind of story that I would perpetuate for myself. Right. And I see it a lot in others, you know, so you got to, you got to drop the lies. As soon as you stop lying to yourself, it's like, Oh, hello. Here's life again. <laughs> <laughs> so in the end it was through you and through you, 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 was, you ascribe your whole healing to you coming to you. Really? Yes. And as a result, my choices about food and, and being actually not just choices, I was always disciplined. It was my discipline that got me in that hot mess in the first place because I could run further than my body would allow me to run. You know, if I, if I was tired, I could still do 100 push ups. I, I could still, you know, if somebody told me to only eat meat 
I could only eat meat, even if my body craved some, uh, some fruit or something. That discipline is actually what will get you there in the first place, not what will get you out of it. It's not the discipline to follow the most extreme protocol or diet, like stick this tube up your bum, stick that in your mouth, then stick that in your ear and then vomit that and then only eat this. It's like that kind of mentality will actually make you sick and keep you sick. It's, it's actually an ability to relax and soften and be more balanced. But then exactly like you said before, Sasha, not go from being a hard, hard man into a woman. It's, it's softening to the balance point. So it's not going, I'm so rigid with diet. Oh, I know I'll just eat pizzas and then I'll just eat whenever. And it's not doing that, right? It's going to the balance point of, no, I'm still going to eat organic and whole foods, but I don't have to be so rigid in what I'm doing, but I'm still going to have principles right. by which I live. Right. Does that make sense? Is that a good? Oh, absolutely. And there's so much dogma. And I went through a lot. I've been on the nutrition train for over 30 years. And I went from just getting interested in it to become a vegetarian, to becoming a vegan, to not that doesn't make sense, to just more traditional food, seasonal eating, what's available, what did I, what can I grow, what can I ferment, and what's available right now, what did I store, that kind of thing. So, what are your, okay, last thing on actual. That, and then I really want to talk about your idea of what your your thoughts on the state of knowing thyself in the world today, what you that means for you. But first, what are your major pillars, guiding pillars around nutrition in general? All right. Yeah, cool. So um, bearing in mind that you can't prescribe anything to a listener, like everyone's going to be different. Yeah. But in general, okay, let's start with, is it organic and whole? That's That's the first thing. Then underneath that, what kinds of foods are going to be good in general? And I'm generalizing a paleo style of diet where it's more fat and protein and less carbs is going to do most people across the board better. There are alternative circumstances and that's why you hire a practitioner who can hopefully not cookie cutter a program for you, but actually assess you and look at what's happening in the body and then figure out what will get you back to a point where you can just basically eat anything. But generally speaking, it's more of the fat protein style of diet is going to help. Uh, fat in particular, in my experience, is the food that's going to give the most bang for buck because it's the most protective kind of food. So when somebody's in disrepair, it's not just emotional and mental. There's usually a high degree of malfunctioning, which is not enough nutrients in the body to function and too much toxicity. The food that helps the most with toxicity is fat. Why? Because fat's protective. It's the reason that toxins get shuttled to the brain and to fatty deposits in the body, not just subcutaneous fat, which by the way, for those that are a little chubby, that's doing your favor. If you've got a, quite a few heavy metals in that in your body, it's protecting the rest of your body because fat is the only tissue that's not destroyed by these toxic uh, compounds. They'll, they'll destroy nerve tissue, bone tissue, muscle tissue, everything except for fat. So they're doing you a favor. But when you eat and you have a good amount of blood fat, which is the amount like we know of blood sugar, we also have blood fat. If we have a good amount circulating, it's enough to arrest toxicity that's flowing in the body and allows the body to release more. The body's smart. It's not going to release anything that will harm itself. So if you've got compounds flowing through the body that will allow it to arrest that, your body goes, okay, we're safe. We can release a bit more. So it, it, will, it will aid you. It also has obviously a good effect on the on all systems on the body. It's calming as opposed to agitating to the body. 
and gives a lot more calories per serve than so your body just loves it. So fat in general is the best thing to do. Raw fats in most cases are better than cooked fats for a few reasons. One is that certain fats in particular, when you cook or you heat them, they become a compound that is actually toxic to the body in and of itself and can clog your lymphatic system. So when we're talking about fat, you've got saturated and unsaturated, and then you've got polyunsaturated. Polyunsaturated is the absolute worst. Get that out of your diet immediately. That will clog your lymphatic system and you'll find it very hard to get better. Unsaturated fat is fine in smaller quantities. If it's the monounsaturated, that's your nuts, uh, certain types of seeds that don't require, um, you know, that aren't so volatile. But in general, just minimize that. You want to go more for the saturated stuff. So that's avocado, coconut products, and then dairy uh, fat and uh, like meat fat, like lard and tallow and things like that. Ghee is also great. You know, the saturated kinds, they're the best. And then what's even better is the raw kind. The raw kind, because it's it has, well, I don't want to get too like technical on it, but they have a far greater ability to chelate, which means to bind to. They have a higher charge, which means they'll bind to charges in your body. So that's your metallic minerals, which is your toxic heavy metals. They'll bind much better. They're much kinder to the body and in general are just better. So it doesn't mean go absurd with it and avoid having to cook saturated fat if you've got it at hand. It just means that in general, stack it in that favor. Raw saturated fat, then saturated fat, then just fat in general, and then your protein-rich foods, and then still low, it's good to have your carbohydrates like fruits, vegetables, and it's particularly out of those, tropical fruits and root vegetables over your, your other types. And um, yeah, just herbs and spices, just balance things out. There's definitely a place for getting very targeted in cutting certain things out or only using certain herbs or certain spices. But that's what you would need to get from a practitioner of some kind who knows what they're doing with either nutrition or medicinal herbs or whatever the case may be. Just for this purpose, we can only give general advice. Right. And so would you recommend, so I'm in Calgary, Alberta, where it should be freezing right now, but it's not. But it was a few weeks ago around Christmas. It was like minus 30. It was freaking cold. And you're in Australia. So would you recommend different basics for me, for example, or somebody living here than somebody living where you are? Yeah, for sure. Especially the time of year that you're in. It makes a lot more sense to have much thicker, heartier, warmer meals in winter and lighter, cooler meals and maybe even less food in summer. It just makes sense to do that. Uh, If somebody's in a very... um, advanced state of disrepair then that might change things a little that might mean still eating the the thicker heavier hardier stuff all the time because your body might need it even though the weather's great your body might be in a state of like coolness and disrepair even in summer so you might need to still bring that up and um in general though still i would for somebody who is ill and not doing well i would still say Definitely stack it in the favor of fat and protein and mostly fat, like I say. Um, doesn't mean carbs are bad. There's a lot going around. It's, it's almost like there's phases. If you notice that, Sasha, it's like fads where today fat's bad and then all carbs are going to kill you and then protein's going to kill you and then it, and then it'll go around again or some new nutrient that I only just discovered, but that was always there. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and now that's going to kill you. Right, I know. And then it's just confused people and they so lost touch. I mean... 
I, I'm sure our ancestors, if they could see us now talking about what to eat, they'd be like, they'd be just, I think they'd be disgusted with us on many levels, but just the idea that we have to even question what we're going to eat, you know, I, I'm sure there wasn't that what didn't used to be a question, common question. Once upon no, no, it never was. And when people, so there is, there's a couple of things with this whole idea of a food intolerance. There's no food that's bad. It's the body that is not handling the food. So it's not protein or vegetables or like bananas. You're reacting to stuff or eggs. You might be reacting to eggs because you got vaccinated too many times with egg albumins that were in the vaccines. You've given yourself a, uh, a, a it's a it's a inflammatory reaction to anything to do with eggs. And it's not eggs are bad. So you've got if you handle the toxic uh, nature of your body and ameliorate that toxicity, you're going to handle more and more and more foods. Like you said, Sasha, there was a time when nobody would go, "Oh, what dietary requirements do you have?" That that was never a thing. Right. You know, that's just, so we've got to stop looking at food as the enemy or as like, that's bad and that's wrong. It's like, what's in us that's not handling things and, and work on that because you can't really just cut stuff out for the rest of your life. You're not, you're going to be malnourished in certain ways. You've got to be able to eat. And from a survival point of view as well, you know, like you've got to, you've got to think at some point, you're going to have to really start relying more on nature and, nature didn't make foods that you can't handle and it made your body to handle a wide variety to be able to go from prairies to jungles to coastal environments and you can eat stuff you're supposed to eat in the environment that you're in so it makes sense that you can handle a wide variety of foods having genetic um having genetic like allergies to foods is actually really 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 rare like super rare they, they are a thing, but what's most likely the case is you just got some toxicity of some kind, work on that. What helps with, with toxicity? Well, everything we've been talking about, when, the body is, when you allow the body to function, it knows how to detoxify itself. You don't have to do it. The body knows how to do it, but you can help it with a good diet, good lifestyle, good movement, good breathing, sweating, um, you know, good quality water, uh, help helping agents like bentonite clays and drawing agents that can help and um you know not being scared of foods that you think you're told are going to kill you like molded foods or high foods or you know raw raw thing like meats and raw eggs and and raw milk and stuff that this people will tell you doctors will tell you will kill you they're actually going to help a lot because they're going to increase your bacterial element of bacteria that will help to break down some of this stuff in your body and so there's this, yeah, that's another topic that could go on for ages. Yeah, absolutely. I would be dead. I should be dead by now if that were true. Anyways, okay, so I know you were gonna, we're gonna almost, we're almost done. So let's talk about knowing thyself. So I would like to know, what does that mean to you? And what is your comment? I don't know the word I'm trying to say, but, but the, when it comes to seeing the world around you and the state of the world, what do you have to say around knowing yourself? So if I summarize it, Sasha, I just say that it's, it's uh, embodying or taking up residence within yourself, which might sound dumb or overly simple, but the way I'll, I'll explain that is that if we're not in ourself, it means we're fragmented and we're somewhere else. We're concerned with what the government's doing. We're concerned with what people think about us. We're concerned with how much money we'll make next week. That's all leaving ourselves to extract something or to battle something that's outside of us. So 
So that we have to leave ourselves to do that. If we leave ourselves, we're not knowing thyself. We're not in, we don't have dominion over ourselves, which is what our birthright actually really is. And so what it really means is coming back into the self, realizing that everything is an expression or an extension of that and taking up and occupying yourself. Don't, it's not like going and occupying Ottawa or Canberra or like Wall Street or any of those places because you're leaving yourself to do that. You're, you're then giving power. It's like turning up to a parliament house is saying parliament house is where the answers are. That has power over me and I don't want it. If you don't want it, don't give it power. The act of turning up to a parliament house is validating a parliament as having power over the people, which it does not have. So you have to leave yourself to do that. If you come into yourself and you go, I am just a, pro I'm a product of life. Like I'm, I have God's energy in me and it's limitless. What am I going to do with that? And most people don't know what to do with it. So they go and protest against stuff instead. It's a, it's a, um, it's an illusion. It's a way of thinking that you're doing something because you don't actually know what to do. You know, it's like, it's like, you know, you, when you're at work and you, you know, you're not really actually doing anything like people who have office jobs and they're like, Oh, just, yeah, I'm just, uh, just writing something on a clipboard and I'm just going to shuffle some papers to look busy <laughs> because you're not actually doing anything and you don't know how to look busy. So you just go, oh, let me just shuffle some papers and Oh yeah. Oh, I'll click a few things on the keyboard that achieves nothing. It's an illusion. It's the same as when we protest stuff, we're giving validity and power to it. And we're doing that because we don't know what to do with our God source energy for ourselves. And that's not a bad thing. I'm, I'm not even saying that I 100% know what I'm doing with mine yet, but I've realized that that's not what it is. So I'm just at the stage where I go, that's not it. What, what, who am I really? Get, I'm not saying I know. I just know that knowing thyself is the way, at least for me. I'm not saying that I know myself and, hey, I'm Jesus now and do what I say. You know, I'm not, not definitely not like saying anything like that. So what does that look like for me? Well, it looks like creating everything that I think that the world needs. So um, I don't give any validity to food supply chains. Everything that I have comes from what I make myself or from within about the maximum distance, I think 50 kilometers of where I am. Most of it's from within 20 to 30 kilometers of where I am or I make it myself. And uh, nobody has power over me without my consent, for example. So instead of giving people power, I don't. I'll give myself power. And what do I do with that? Well, if I don't know what to do with it yet, it's probably going to be fruited away into something else. But if it's uh, creating informational uh, products or if it's uh, just helping and loving my neighbor or just being good to myself and good to my partner uh, or if it's, you know, tending my own garden. That's the stuff that to me helps the most and is part of knowing myself. Like, what am I doing here? What, what are my hands here to do? You know, are they to shake my fist at the sky and point at people and go, you, you got to change that and you're doing that. And then we got to change. We want freedom. I don't think that's what my hands are for. You know, they're to do something far more powerful and creative. What is that? Does it have to be grand? Do I have to write a piano concerto that a million, that like Beethoven? I don't think so. Maybe my hands just need to be in the soil. Like how is that any less value to the world than being a concert pianist, for example? Like who knows? But these are just things that we need to um, look at for ourselves. So realistically, Sasha, for me, what knowing thyself is, is balancing the bodies, having a, a spiritual, a mental, a, an emotional and a physical body that are balanced and harmonious with one another so that I can be of best service. How do I serve 
what put me here? How do I serve my fellow man and look after my immediate environment? I know it's not to drive a thousand kilometers down to Parliament House and leave the very environment that's been giving me my life up until this point. I'm pretty sure it's to actually serve the land that I'm on, not go somewhere else and stamp my feet on the ground down there. I'm not saying that's the wrong thing to do. I'm just saying it's a difference in knowing thyself. It's not in, for me, it's not in going and doing that. For me, it's, it's being the best that I can be where I am and then continually asking and, and being okay with not knowing, not pretending that I know and making myself look busy and achieving nothing. If, if I don't know, I'll admit it to myself. I won't lie to myself. But do I know this part of myself here yet? Well, I don't. I actually don't know it. So instead of just going, oh, no, I do. I'll just do this. And, and here, here's me playing this. And now I know. I'll go, I don't know. So I'll sit and I'll be okay with that. And I'll, I'll ask whether I'm asking the, the sky, the clouds or God or the grass or myself, whatever you see that as my higher self, I'll just ask, oh, what is it? What, who am I really? Like, what is this part of myself I haven't got to know yet? And then I'll, I'll be open to receiving a sign. Maybe I'll go and have a chat. The next time I talk to somebody who I try to avoid, we end up having a chat and they give me some insight and I'm like, bang, that was it. That's the thing I was looking for. You know, it's always going to be given to us if we ask, hence the old saying, ask and you shall receive. But we've got to be willing enough to ask. And the only reason we'll even know to ask is by not lying to ourselves and knowing that we don't know. I don't know what I'm doing today. I don't know this part of myself yet. What I actually don't know it. Rather than lie to myself and make myself busy in some way, let me ask. Let me be vulnerable. Let me be okay with not knowing. And only then, once we empty that, can something then come in to fill it. So that's been my process over the last kind of five to 10 years is really just been that, is getting to know myself. And as I said, I'm not saying I know myself fully yet, but I definitely know my life has improved immensely as a result. And I know that because if somebody sends like a Facebook post that says the government's building FEMA camps and they're going to lock up the unvaccinated, it has no effect on me. Right. If I see the prime minister give some wacky speech, it has no effect on me. If, the, if I see a police car drive down the road, it has no effect on me. So my reality is an expression of like what's going on in here. And, and that doesn't lie. You know how like your instincts, you can't control them? Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody calls you, I won't say anything to you, but let's say it nasty names to you, right? And something in you, like some, something on the back of your neck stands up, your blood boils a bit, you get this, this feeling in here. You can't control that stuff. That's an instinctual reaction that's your, you can't lie to yourself. And that's what I mean, the body doesn't lie. So if somebody calls you or you're a this Sasher and you're a that and you have something in some place in your body react to it, then you know that you're not over something. You're not over a trauma. You still see some kind of authority in some other's words or someone else. And that's all right. And if you don't lie to yourself about it, well, now you have the opportunity to move through and dissolve that. And next time someone goes, Sasha, you're a this because you think that, you're like, cool, <laughs> but no effect. And then you know, oh, good. Now I'm getting to know myself. So the reason that I do know that I'm knowing myself to a degree is that for what I've mentioned has no effect on me anymore. Right. Some other things do have an effect on me because I'll feel them in my, in my body, in those things that I can't lie to myself about. And I'm like, oh, cool. So instead of going, I have to 
<laughs> hide that or lie to myself and then go somewhere else, I'll sit with it instead. And then as that dissolves, I, that's how I know I'm on the right path. And the thing about going to a lot of these rallies or, and I'm not saying they're the wrong thing to do. I'm just saying like, let them teach you about yourself. Most people are going because they're disempowered. So then fine, go, go have a good time, go and shake your fists and honk your horns and that. But then at some point realize that you're going to have to deal with that because if you don't, you're going to have to go shake your fists at the next person or the next or the next or the next, the next offer that's given to you that you do not have to take part in but currently you're still participating in it. And that's the beauty of all this is we're all on a journey and, and all our paths are different. We're all at different stages. So part of it is also not judging others for what, that's why I'm not judging. When I talk about things like rallies and, um, you know, people getting upset about mandates, I'm not judging them, but I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to shy away from calling it how I see it, which right. is I see that as a disempowerment and giving something validity that has no validity in the first place and by shaking your fists and pointing at it it's not going to change it that's not judging them and saying you're an idiot you're dumb you're useless you should be further along than that because none of that's true but it's not going to change anything and you are giving something power that has no power so it's just it's just calling it how it is but it's also not saying i'm better than them or that they should do things that i'm doing because i'm not fully on you know, I'm not there yet either. I'm just partly up some way along my own path. So part of, you know, as people wake up, they're like, oh, look at the sheep and all the, the and it's like, well, they're not really sheep. They're just, they're on their path. Right. You know, they just, they don't know what you know yet. And if you judge and denigrate them, it's, it's worse than, it's worse than what they're doing. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's these, it's the whole, there's so many elements get to teach us about ourselves. And if you're willing to, receive the teaching and not only willing if you have gratitude for it well what's your life change the result for me that meant getting out of horrendous amounts of pain and fatigue and not knowing and being like thinking i was useless and i had no point to life for me it was that and going from that to not just participating in life but being very very happy and comfortable and with my place here and enjoying it no matter what even if it's a lockdown or i still I mean, it doesn't change anything for me so that's that's the body not lying. That's that's knowing. That's a, a that's a signifier, like a, a a sign that goes, "Yep, you're uh, clearly on some part of the right path. Otherwise, you'd be feeling different, or you'd be expressing different." Yeah. Right. And I know you need to go, but I'm just quick question. I don't know if it's a yes or no answer, but deep, there's a lot of questions that popped up, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stop them. But do you feel that maybe your teen years would have been a little different? Had there been some rites, a rite of passage or something to signify that you're changing? Like my son's turning 13 tomorrow and I've been having this conversation with us. I was like, okay, like we need, we should have had this already figured out. Like we need a rite of passage. Like teenagers, like they're kind of useless right now, right? Because they're just kind of aimless in groups playing video games. There's no, there's no purpose. So we've lost these traditional rites of passage that they would be going through to give more meaning and significance to where they're at. I guarantee it, Sasha. I would not have gone through the trials that I went through had I had a rite of passage because I would have, uh, if I hadn't rebelled and if I had have taken that lesson and rite of passage, it wouldn't have compounded to get to the stage where I had to learn that lesson later in life by being put on my ass like literally put down and stay, like stay down until you learn that lesson. Right. If I had have learned it then, 
There's no way I would have gone through that. And then people will say, oh, but everything happens for a reason and you wouldn't be where you are now having not had those experiences. And I'm like, yeah, and it would have been better. I would have, I would have lost my virginity before I got into my 20s. I would have you know, not had to suffer so much pain and in all fortune, I would have a house by now. I love my life now, but it's definitely better if I owned a house just because it allowed me to do more things. I have to spend more time in a day getting basic stuff done and not producing, say, content. Like people like if I would like if I live streamed and answered their questions every day. But I can't do that because I have to take care of a lot of little sundry things that could have been taken care of had I managed to, you know, really be on purpose and had a house by now, for example. So it's, I am grateful for where I am and I'm happy with where I am. But had I have done it over and had a rite of passage at a young age, I wouldn't have been so lost. And I wouldn't have had to find myself through illness and misfortune. I would have found it already. So 100%, if a rite of passage was offered and it was in a structured way where we actually grow up and boys become men. Yeah. Then, so what, does, what does that look like in a modern world where you're not out in a tribe hunting or going with the men and leaving mom behind or whatever? What does that look like in a modern world? <laughs> the only way, the only way I've said this for a number of years and I heard old Benjamin talk about it the other day too. He mm -hmm. kind of described it different, but I see it as a benevolent dictatorship. I would take away pornography. I'd take away alcohol. I'd take away, like you wouldn't be allowed outside after nine at night. You would be forced into a rigid structure. I'm not saying like these are the exact things, but you would be forced into such a rigid structure that you would actually get to, you would be like, oh, this tyrannical asshole, but it'd be the tough love. Not like I'm punishing you. Like when you tell your kids, you can't stick a knife in a toaster. It's like, but I want to. And they're like, wah, but I wanted to eat lollies. I want to stick a knife in the toaster. Why are you trying to control me, mum? But it's like, I'm pretty sure I'll be grateful for the lack of tooth decay and the lack of electrocution because that's tough love. If it's a benevolent dictatorship, people are so far gone that they wouldn't even recognize community or an elder if it bit them on the ass. I don't think. I actually think people are that far gone. By design, the system as it is, is designed to completely strip people of their morals, their integrity, their, um, their connection to source and separate them from each other as well. You know, like here, have your own car, your own air conditioner, your own lane on the highway, your own bank account, your own TV, your own phone, your own computer. Yeah. We're, we're taught and then we're like, I don't want to share. Like people, I've traveled around a bit, not a lot, but I've been to other like third world in inverted commas countries. Yeah. And they live like 10, they live fa generational families in a house and it keeps being passed through to the next and they keep working on that same house. They have pride in it. They don't have a whinge. And I'm not, this is, this is going to sound like I'm going to put, it's just because it's the first example that comes to mind. There's a lot of single mums around in the world in general at the moment because of the way the world's gone by design. And in our area here, I'll just speak for our area, there's a lot of them that, that are very, it's men too. I'm not just going to say, but it's like being a single mum, I can't imagine how hard that must be. It's definitely hard. But, but then a lot of them are like, I need, I need somewhere to live. But they won't just go and live in somebody's, you know, caravan. That's not good enough. Or share a, share a place with four other people. They need 10 acres to themselves. They need this. They need that. It's like this entitlement thing of like, it's not, I'm, I'm only going to accept this. But it's like, you're in this situation for a reason. 
and they're not willing to take like a compromise in inverted commas. And I, I've seen it with my own eyes where people can live very, and I'm no different. I want space to myself too, because I'm used to it. I want to have a room just for my guitars. Like how selfish and entitles that, but I want it, you know, as opposed to sharing a house with 10 others. I'm like, well, where am I going to put my guitars? You know, it's like, <laughs> like what kind of mentality is that? So I'm not putting down any, anyone in particular. I'm saying I'm kind of the same, but the reason that I've got what I've got now, which is some comfort is because I was willing to be homeless and I was willing to sleep on people's couches and I was willing to share a room with seven other people. And I was willing, I was willing, I was willing to do what it took to get to the stage where I could have more space to myself and a room for my guitars, which I don't have. Technically I'm homeless again at the moment, but it's, it's, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's happening. That's being built, so to speak, and not with my own money either. So it's like um, things work out well when you are able to let go of things like the world owes me something, right. you know, and, and that's part of, I just don't think people are capable of, and, and that's not selling people short. I just think it's, they're not capable of their own volition. But what we see is when a massive psyop is pulled and like buildings are exploded or there's big bushfires, half the country's burnt down. You watch people help each other. You watch how good people, you watch human nature. The spirit of humanity is just, it's stoked. It's like, whoa, there's the flame of humanity. Yeah. You know, faith restored. That's an old expression as well. But then a month later, everyone's like, uh, you know, can you find your own place? I really want to fill that wall with a flat screen TV so I can watch porn and Netflix. You know, it goes back to that. So I just don't know that people have it of their own volition. Right. I think it's there, but what's it going to take for that to come out? What's it going to take for us to want to have and live in community and to be of service to others as opposed to what can I get for myself? What's it going to take to get that? And I know, I know for a fact that a benevolent dictatorship would stoke that. Because it would be of tough love. It wouldn't be a punishment. Otherwise, I think we've got to have a full collapse. I think we've got to have a full societal collapse for people to just pull their finger out and go, all right, what I thought was important isn't as important. Let's get back to some core values. And then, yeah, then it would happen. So, What's yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe on the brink of that. <laughs> okay, well, that's good. That's awesome. I feel like I could talk to you all day. But you're, we got to go. So people can get a hold of you at tombarnett.tv, correct? B-A-R-N-E-T.tv. Yep. That's my website. Is there anything, is there another place or that's the main, that's the yep. hub? I've got, that's the main hub because it's just, <laughs> I put it up because I'm like, no one can take a website down. Turns out they can. We've had to restore it twice. But uh, yeah, um, I've got Facebook. I don't know how long that'll last. That's Tom Barnett. I've got YouTube under my name as well. I don't know how long that'll last. I'm just coming off a 30-day ban again. I've already lost it before that channel. But then I have Telegram, tombarnett.tv, which is, seems to be pretty safe at the moment. And uh, yeah, I've got a mailing list, which you can access through my website. Although I don't send out many emails. So it's mostly the website and Telegram are the ones that don't get cancelled at the moment. So I do regular live streams, Q&As. I have a platform as well called healme.health. Oh. And that's where all of my um, like consults that I was doing, everything's shifted to there because I've now got other people. <laughs> Again, it's not just me. How many people can I? This is like getting along with getting a, within other people to provide solutions, networks, uh, and different 
well, let me put it this way, uh, health advice with many experts, not just one guy's opinion. Uh, then Grow Me, which is uh, helping people to grow their own food. Feed Me, which is connecting growers to uh, people who want food and not having to go to supermarkets or even farmers markets that have been infiltrated. Um, Lawful Me, which is people learning about the law, being able to set up in the private so they don't have to worry about the system having clutches. That's all on Heal Me, which is uh, healme.health. Uh, at the end of the month, we've actually got a promo. I don't know where you're going to air the uh, interview, but at the end of this month, it's going to switch into its different platforms. But anyone that joins until the end of the month will get access to every platform for the one fee. So it's, um, they'll get, yeah, which is like literally thousands of dollars worth of stuff for us. I think it's $100 to join for the year. Uh, but yeah, healme.health is where most of the like in-depth stuff happens. And then I basically just do live streams and interviews for my public channels. Okay. Very, very cool. Okay. Well, thank you for your time. I mean, we'd go all over the place, but uh, yeah. Well, we can and chat I, again if yeah, you want sometime. Yeah. yeah. Would absolutely love to. Okay. I'm going to stop this. Okay, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this interview. Check him out, TomBarnett.tv and on his other uh, other places that you can find him. I know that you could spend hours and hours and hours. So much wisdom, so much, so much information that is so relevant for the world that we live in today. So I hope you enjoyed this and we'll see you next time. Bye.